The reading is John chapter 14, verse 8 to 31, and can be found on page 1082 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been with among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am the Father and the Father is in me or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you, what, I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. This is the word of the Lord. And if you have a Bible handy, you might want to keep that passage open in John chapter 14. My name's uh, Tim. Uh, I'm on the staff here, and uh, my job's to work with students, so if you're a new student, it is great to have you with us. Come and say hello uh, afterwards. It would be lovely to meet you. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive into looking into that passage in a bit more detail. Father, we've just sung of your magnificent love, your love 
that is matchless. And we pray by looking into your word and dwelling on it this morning, we would come away with a new appreciation for that love. And we would be able to know more deeply that it is so sure. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Well, you may be new to us, uh, and if you are, then we've been in this series in John for just a couple of weeks, and I'm going to pick up on something that Paul said uh, last week, and uh, I'm going to begin by showing this image that Paul gave us of a well. So last week, Paul said to his disciples, Paul, Paul told us that Jesus said to his disciples, um, get those two confused all the time, Uh, (laughs) Jesus said to his disciples that they were to do two things. They were to love one another and carry on as his disciples. And those two are connected. You you carry on as disciples by continuing to love one another. Uh, And the love you see that comes out of the well, the, the, the actions of love that the disciples were to show one another, they come from the source underneath, which is Jesus' love for the disciples. Uh, Jesus was telling them, uh, the way you keep going, the way you keep loving, is by reflecting on and going back to my love as the source, as the source. Uh, and I think there's a couple of big questions and big, big concerns that you, you might have had if you were one of the disciples or that you might have if you're, you're listening to that. Uh, two big questions. Is it going to be enough? Is Jesus going to be enough? And will Jesus remain? Will his love always be there? How, how can I be confident of those things, that, that his love will be enough for me and that it will remain with me come what may? And I think there's a bit of that doubt in the disciples' mind. So if it's there in, in your mind, is that really enough to energize a whole life of loving discipleship? Um, th- then I guess you'd be in good company with, say, say, Philip. I think his question in verse 8 gets into that a little bit. Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Philip wants some sort of reassurance. Uh, Jesus has just said that he is the way to the Father, the, the creator God of the universe, the source of all life and all love. And Jesus says, I can get you to him. I can get you to the source of infinite beauty, truth, uh, and love uh, and, and so you know him and you can be with him. And Philip says, okay, that's a big claim, Jesus. Can you show us? Show us the Father, then I'll know. Then, then that'll be enough for us. Show us that you really are connected to the source of life and love. And so our first question, is Jesus enough? Well, Jesus has to answer that question. And his answer is going to be basically, yes, I am enough because I'm in the Father. Jesus needs to show the disciples that he has a connection to the infinite source of truth and love that rules the universe. Now, when you use that word connection, the the thing that immediately crops up in my mind is the Wi-Fi, right? Uh, You know, connections, we're all these days looking to get on the Wi-Fi wherever we are. If you have guests in your house, one of the first questions they tend to ask nowadays is, can I get the Wi-Fi code? Uh, Because we know what it's like. We want to be connected, If you've ever been somewhere remote without internet connection and you're not sure where you are, maybe a little lost, you're like, well, if we can just get a bit of internet, yeah, if we can just get connected, then I can contact somebody or get the map up, whatever it is. But Jesus is offering a much bigger connection. Now, the internet's pretty big and it has lots of wonderful things that it can do for us, but Jesus is offering a connection to the source of life and love. 
the very heartbeat of the universe, an infinite supply of love. But when Philip asks, can you show us the Father? That'll be enough for us. It's a bit like asking Siri or Alexa, can you show me the Wi-Fi? Right, right now, in this room, there's millions of bits of data and information all invisibly moving from device to device all the time. But we can't see it. It's invisible. Imagine if you could see it. It would sort of mess with your mind, wouldn't it? That all that information flooding past your eyes all the time. Uh, the Bible says that God is invisible as well. And actually, uh, our human eyes cannot capture him. And it would be even more sort of devastating for our senses if we could see him than it would be even to see all the information of the internet running in front of your eyes at any given moment. But Jesus says to Philip, you don't actually need that. Verse 9, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? Jesus here is claiming something he's been claiming in John all along that he and the Father are one. They share the identity of the one God who made the world. He is the Son of the Father and therefore has a connection with him so close that he can say, I'm in the Father, the Father's in me. When you see one of us, you see us both. We're that connected. You can't have one without the other We are together in perfect unity always. So if you've seen me, Philip, you have seen the Father. And that's why Jesus is showing his disciples he will be enough. His love will be enough because his love is the Father's love. Because he and the Father are one. Therefore, the supply, the the reservoir beneath that well is infinite because of Jesus' perfect connection to the Father, in the Father, the Father's in him. He is the one God who is the source of life and love. That's a huge claim. And it makes sense of the claim Jesus made at the end of last week's passage, those famous verses, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, some people hear that and they think, oh, that's a bit offensive, isn't it? That's a bit arrogant of Jesus to claim that no one else can get him to the Father. It's just him. But, of course, when we understand who Jesus is, that he's in the Father, the Father's in him, that he shares the identity of the one God who made the universe, it makes perfect sense because that's how relationships work. Now, suppose I were to stand in front of all of you and say, look, I've got the inside track on Paul Matoli, right? If you want to know Paul, you have to come to me. You can't know Paul unless you come and talk to me first. That would be quite an arrogant thing to say because there are plenty of people out there who know Paul, but they don't know me. There are plenty of ways you can get to know Paul. But if Paul stood up and said, look, there are lots of people who can tell you all sorts of things about me, But if you want a relationship with me, a friendship with me of some kind, at some point you've got to come to me. We've got to talk. That makes perfect sense, doesn't it? So when Jesus says you can't come to the Father except through me, it makes perfect sense because he's in the Father and the Father is in him. It's because of who Jesus is. You can't know God without Jesus because Jesus is God. 
shares the identity of the one God of the Bible. Well, it's a big claim. Can he back it up? Well, second half of verse 10. The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. It's the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Now, what are these works that Jesus talks about? It's important to know how the writer John uses words. He uses words very cleverly and specifically in John's Gospel. When Jesus says the works, he does not mean miracles. In John's Gospel, miracles are called signs or miraculous signs. So when he turns water into wine, that's the first of his miraculous signs. You can check that out for yourself. Whenever Jesus does a big miracle, it's a sign. When John uses the word works, he does it in chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 9. He means the work of making God known to people, revealing who God is, telling them about God so that they come to know God for themselves. And Jesus has been doing that throughout the gospel. People have come to Jesus, suddenly understood who God is, and started to worship God and worship the Son, worship the Father and the Son whom he has sent. It happens to the woman at the well. It happens to the man born blind. And that's when John uses uh, the word works. It's that work of revealing God and making him known. And Jesus is reminding his disciples, you've seen that. You've seen person after person come to me and start a new relationship with God, learn who God is for the first time, start to worship God afresh. And you know it because Peter, one of the disciples, even said, where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. You're the one who can show us God, Jesus. And Jesus says to his disciples, you've seen me doing this for years, for the last couple of years. So surely that should be the evidence you need that I am connected to God. I've been bringing so many people to know and understand him for themselves. And then he goes on. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. What works? Making God known. Revealing him, bringing people into a new relationship with God. The works that Jesus has been doing throughout John's gospel. In fact, they'll do greater or more works than these. Because the disciples will be lots of people spread out through the world. And that's just true. Jesus met a handful of people, a few dozen maybe, who he was able to to bring to God and, and, and show God in a fresh way. But his disciples were going to spread out over all the world revealing God to millions and millions more people throughout the next 2,000 years. They will do even more works than him of revealing God and making him known. It's still happening to this day. Is Jesus enough? Yes, because of who he is, his divine identity. He's in the Father. The Father is in him. And so that infinite source of love under the well is something Jesus has and can give, which means he can make amazing promises like verse 13 and 14. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now we've got to pause there. This verse gets misused, gets twisted by people. You might have heard of something called the prosperity gospel, 
which tells you to name it and claim it. In other words, because Jesus has said this, you can ask for whatever you like. You want a car? You ask for a car. You want a house? You ask for a house. That is not what this verse means. We know that because just one chapter earlier, Peter asked for something and was refused. Just You can read it in John 13. Peter asked, Jesus, will you wash me head to foot? And Jesus says, no, you don't need that. This is not a promise to be given exactly anything you ask for. Look, look again. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Now, in the ancient world, name is sort of means glory, honor, reputation. And a lot of what Jesus has been talking about in this chapter is about God's household, God's family, and welcoming people into God's family. And, and you want a good family name in the ancient world. It's about the reputation and honor and glory of the house, of the family. So what Jesus is saying is, guys, if you want to live as my disciples, if you want to honor me, honor the Father, bring glory to his name, grow his kingdom, give his kingdom great honor, great reputation, then you can ask me for whatever you need to do that. And how is it that we do that? Well, we do it by loving one another. Because that's how everyone else realizes that we're Jesus' disciples. It's what draws them into Jesus and and eventually gives us the opportunity to show them who God is through Jesus. It's how the kingdom grows. And Jesus says to do that work of loving each other and continuing my Father's work of revealing God, I will give you whatever you need to do that. To love each other, to hold out Jesus to the world, to bring people to God. It's a wonderful promise. A wonderful promise indeed. Is Jesus enough? Yes, because he's in the Father. Second question, will Jesus remain And this is a paradox. He will remain, yes, because he's returning to the Father. See, it looks like Jesus is about to leave. Uh, He's even said it, hasn't he? In verse 12, I am going to the Father. And so the disciples might be there saying, okay, Jesus, you're in the Father. You're this great, infinite source of love for us. But are we always going to have a connection with you? Are we always going to be able to access that love for ourselves. What happens when you're gone? And Jesus moves on to a new topic, verse 16. I will ask the Father, he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Jesus promises to send the Holy Spirit after he goes, returns to the Father in heaven. So in verse 19, before long, the world will not see me anymore because Jesus won't be physically present. However, he will still be with them because he will have sent the Spirit. And look at verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Hang on, Jesus. You just said you were sending the Holy Spirit. What do you mean you will come? Well, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. Just as the Father is in the Son and the Son is in the Father, so the Son is in the Spirit and the Spirit is in the Son and the Spirit's in the Father and the Father's in the Spirit. It's what theologians call perichoresis or mutual indwelling. The three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who we sang about a moment ago, they are in one another. 
whenever you see one of them, you see them all. Whenever one of them does something, they all do it, for they are a perfect unity. When God acts, he acts as one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, whatever God does. And so by sending the Holy Spirit, Jesus himself is also coming to live in the disciples. Verse 23 uh, says that as well, doesn't it? Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. By going to the Father, he's able to send the Spirit to live in the hearts of believers by faith so he can be with them forever. Now, this is such a, a fun thing in John's Gospel. John is such a brilliant genius of a writer because he's been developing this theme all the way through the Gospel. There's a key word in John. There's lots of key words in John, but one of the key words is the word abide, or sometimes translated dwell, or stay, or remain. It's the same word. It comes up a lot in John. It's a Greek word, meno. And it's the first question the disciples ask Jesus. Teacher, where are you staying? Where are you abiding? And Jesus says, come and see. And then the whole gospel unfolds. And it looks like Jesus doesn't really stay anywhere. He stays somewhere for two days, then he moves on. Stays somewhere for a few days, then he moves on. Uh, Jesus seems to move from place to place, and then he tells the crowds, I'm going, I'm going away, you can't follow. And the crowds are confused because he's claiming to be the Messiah, but the rumor is the Messiah is supposed to remain, supposed to stay, dwell forever. So what is this, Jesus? Are you the Messiah? Aren't you the Messiah? Are you going to stay? Are you not going to stay? And all the while, though, Jesus has been talking about his word, which will remain, that he will remain in them. They will remain in him. He will offer food that remains in chapter 6. So there's this paradox going on. On the one hand, it looks like Jesus doesn't remain. But on another hand, he's talking about something that will last, that will remain, that will stay. And even when he goes onto the cross, they take him down from the cross in John 19. And, and the word that it's used is quite a sort of play on words by John. He didn't remain on the cross. For Jesus doesn't remain dead either. He doesn't remain in the tomb. He rises and returns to his Father in heaven. But from there, by sending the Spirit, well, back in verse 2, when it says, my Father's house has many rooms, it's literally many abodes, many dwellings, many staying places, remaining places, same word. And then in verse 23, we will love them and make our dwelling with them. How is it that Jesus remains forever by leaving, by going to the Father to pour out his Spirit, to make his home in the hearts of believers. And so if you trust in Jesus, you can be confident, not only that his love is enough because he is connected to the infinite source of love and life, but you can be confident you will never be cut off from it. For he has sent his spirit to give you an everlasting connection to that love. And the Holy Spirit is the one who enables and empowers the Christian life. Verse 26 the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, will remind you of everything I've said to you. And that teach and remind has the sense of enable you to do as well. He's not just going to tell you, remember Jesus told you to love each other? 
the Holy Spirit actually helps you to love one another. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. The Spirit comes and helps us to obey Jesus' command to love one another. He also gives us that deep sense of peace to know that God's infinite love is poured out on us, never to leave. And friends, if you believe in Jesus, this is a forever promise. There is nothing and no one that can take it away from you, not even the devil. For at the end of the passage, Jesus speaks of the prince of this world who is coming. And the devil is about to do his absolute worst to Jesus. And look what Jesus says all this is for. The prince of the world is coming. He has no hold over me. Don't worry, guys. I know it's going to look like he's going to beat me and take me to the cross. But don't worry. It's all part of the plan. He's not in control here. He comes so that the world may learn I love the Father and do exactly what my Father commands. The next day or so, when Jesus is going to be put through the ringer, he says, you're going to look back at that and you're going to remember how perfect my love and obedience to the Father is, how committed I am to fulfilling his plan. His plan that I die, rise, return to him, and pour out the Spirit on you so that you can be confident and assured that my love will remain with you forever. It is enough. It will remain. It is the engine for the Christian life. And what an engine. Infinitely rich and deep. Absolutely secure forever. We're going to share communion in a moment. It's another visible and physical reminder to us that Jesus obeys the Father and loves him and does exactly what he says. That Jesus is committed to seeing that plan through. And that Jesus has done all that is necessary to connect us to the infinite source of love forever. I'm going to pray and then uh, Rob will come and lead us in some further prayers in a moment. Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you that Jesus is in you and you in him. We thank you that he returned to you. We thank you that all these things, though in some ways they first of all seem confusing to us, we wonder why you did it that way, and yet as things unfold, we realize it's for the best. We realize your plan is perfect and wonderful because you are not content to give us anything less than permanent access to the infinite wellspring of your love. Help us dwell in that truth today and this week. And may it motivate lives of love and service to each other and to you. In Jesus' name, amen.